We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And this one is no good. Let's see if there's a cat barking in the dog pound right now. Or cats and dogs playing together. Justin Tucker missed from inside 50. Quick throw. And it is intercepted. It's intercepted off of Deshaun Jackson's hands into... The arms of Denzel Ward. And let's see what Huntley can do. Quick throw. Nice catch by Robinson. Ball's loose. Ball's loose. And the Browns say they have it. 150. It is blocked. It's blocked and free. And Tucker jumps on it. Oh, and to a missed field goal. An interception and a fumble. A now blocked field goal. It's all happened for the Browns against the Ravens. We just have to start scoring touchdowns. I mean, in terms of what really needs to change to your question, but we've got to do things better. You know, you can't turn the ball over. You know, you can't, you can't, you got to run routes uh, the right way uh, to get between defenders and between the ball. You can't fumble the ball. You know, you got to put the ball away when you're getting upfield. I mean, that's just, that's just winning football. Our guys know that, you know, so it starts with that. You know, we've got to, we've got to, uh, we've got to just have a better passing game, basically. It's not a good enough passing game right now across the board. To do the things that we're, that we're hoping to do, so now that'll be priority one. Every area can get better at something and certain things, but from an offensive standpoint, that's something that we've got to go to work on, and uh, and we will. That was Ravens head coach John Harbaugh meeting with the media in Cleveland just moments ago after his team's 13 to three clunker of a loss to the Cleveland Browns that now drops Baltimore. To nine and five overall and for the first time this season they no longer have at least a share of the AFC North lead and that certainly is one of the many storylines that we are about to dissect over the next hour or so or or so here on the Ravens Vault podcast post game live stream simulcasting on Facebook YouTube you name it I'm Bobby Trossett joined by my co-host and partner Sarah Ellison and tonight's featured guest who's got a lot on his mind and we are happy that he does because we're happy to welcome back him back into the vault and that is former Super Bowl winning Ravens wide receiver Kadri Ismail. What's going on Q? Sarah, welcome in everybody. Let's do it. Thanks guys for having me on and uh, yeah, I wish I was coming on <laughs> in better circumstances but here we are. Sarah, let's begin here because... As our notes say in our shared Google Doc, 
it is really hard to win a game in December when you won opt to not take points in a low scoring game early on when he got the goat out there, when you throw a red zone interception, when you have a turnover on in the red zone, when you fumble inexcusably, and when you miss two field goals and a number of other situational things that went awry with the play calling today, it it was uh, a tall task, as you said on Twitter, and it's going to be a tall task moving forward. Yeah. I mean, everything you just said is, you know, uh, a lot of execution breakdowns for sure, and we'll get into all of those. But uh, I have a hard time not putting most of this on on the coaching staff. Uh, this loss to me, the the game plan and the decisions being made, um, it felt like to me that the Ravens acted like they were playing against the Chiefs or another high scoring offense. You know, I do get where Harbaugh is coming from when you're fourth and one and you're a a, a ground attack that, you know, you should be able to get it. Yeah, you should be able to, but this offense has not shown that it can. And so to me, if you're coming into a low scoring game and you, at least that's what we both predicted it would be is that it would be a low scoring game, not a super high scoring game. So to me, you have the 24th ranked red zone offense. You know that going in. You have a pretty good idea that it's going to be cold and low scoring, which it was. And so go ahead and take the points. And in the end, Justin Tucker, you know, later missed and then got blocked. Sure. But to me, that wasn't the right approach. And then on top of it, and I get, I'm more frustrated with Greg Roman's approach. Um, you have a team that rushed for 198 yards and it just seemed like, and yet, Tyler Huntley had 30 pass attempts and this is your backup quarterback. This is your backup quarterback and you really don't have the receivers, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, And so here we are with 10 minutes left. The Browns just missed a field goal so badly that I thought it was blocked. You have 10 minutes left. You've got time to still go to your bread and butter, which is the run game, and which was also the only time you were getting big chunk yards. And then he just came out, pass, 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 pass. And I'm like, am I missing something here? Well, you got 10 minutes left, and the pass game isn't getting in you any more yards. I think the pass game at one point in the fourth quarter was averaging 4.8 yards per pass. Well, hello, Dobbins is averaging 9.6 yards per carry. Edwards is averaging 7.9 yards for, per carry. What are we doing here? And so I 1,000%, I didn't feel like Huntley had a very good game either. But, you know, I miss Lamar Jackson. I can't wait for Lamar Jackson to get back. He will 100% make this offense better. But he's going to be coming back to a broken passing game. And I at least was somewhat happy that John Harbaugh acknowledged that in the clip that you just read. The passing game is broken. It had been broken before Lamar went down. There's not enough receivers to fix it, in my view. And I don't know that you have the coordinator to fix it. So it makes you worried. I still think the Ravens are going to make the playoffs. But without a passing game, you're not going deep. I think to piggyback off of that, Sarah, the one thing um, coming into this year that the why behind it, I guess, was that they built it upon – um, the receivers being the tight ends, the focal point. 
And I thought, you know, Kurt Warner, who, you know, when he was in his heyday in my time uh, with the Rams offense, what they did was just spread teams out in their three wide looks. And they just, you know, they, they were running and they were gone. I think this team, uh, what looked like it was going to be 2019 all over again with the way they were loading up on tight ends. It was going to be another version of their bully ball. And that's what they felt like it was going to be. Um, that that's, that's where the miss is. The miss is the fact that um, they, they didn't prioritize the outside throwing lanes. They didn't prioritize the receivers. Um, and they, unfortunately, you know, from, uh, Isaiah likely having his ups and downs and, and just a typical rookie year. I think, you know, Mark Andrews, uh, he's had some, 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 some down moments that have been uncharacteristic of a high level player that he is. And then you put all that together with what you said with Greg Roman and his play calling, the consistency of getting to the line, the, whether it be headset oriented or not. I mean, when you're at home, you don't have uh, issues with play calling and the functioning of the stadium sound, but yet you still get to the line of scrimmage and, and it's, 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 you know, seconds left on a clock. So all of that leads to the dysfunction, I think, of, of what's going on. It's, it's what they built it upon. What they built it upon is not working. And so now you're, you're left scratching your head with uh, the most critical portion of your season ahead of you trying to go into the playoffs with some level of momentum. Yeah, the whole the whole drive to end the first half, sorry, Bobby, the whole drive to end the first half was poorly managed. I mean, uh, it does sound like there was a radio issue, and it sounds like it happens a bit in Cleveland. Got it. But, but you just called the timeout. Mm-hmm. And uh, Q, you can tell me, can you give him the play during the timeout or do you have to wait until you're back on the field? Like, why not? Why doesn't he have the play coming out of the timeout? So it's so interesting, too, because, you know, the whole idea of a timeout is to kind of gather your collective thoughts. And, you know, I'm, I'm going right up to Tyler and, and be like, all right, cool. Here, you know, here are the plays that we practiced to say this is what it's going to be. It looked like it was a sprint 19 where you have Prochet, I guess, going into the flat real quickly. So it's some variation of a quick sprint right 19. And however they say it in, in nowadays terms or for what the Ravens' office is, I'd be like, all right, cool. Here's my play call sheet. Okay, cool. We practice this, you know, our, our best fourth down or third down in, in short. Uh, here's what we're going to do. All right, make sure, you know, I get a great formation. Boom, I'm going to get a great formation. All right, guys, you know, so I'm relating that down to everybody. Uh, whomever is on the sideline, who's ever responsible for the receivers to get the call, backs to get the call, what's the formation, what coach is in charge of that. All right, here we go. We got everything? Good, great. I would have had uh, Snoop call it literally on the sideline. All right, guys, here's the play call. So when we go into right. the game, we're going to call it again. Everybody's going to know. We're just going to go right up to the line. So that's where it was like, it was mind boggling to me. You're worrying about whether or not the clock is reset rather than having the poise just to go up there because of the timeout to be ready to go. Right. So I felt like that whole thing was on coaching. I felt like the way they didn't lean on the running game enough, especially towards the end was on coaching. Um, Here's another one. So on Friday, I think it was the Thursday morning vault, Bobby, 
we we discussed the identity lacking identity among the receivers and the one identity i do know even though he's older is deshaun jackson i know his identity is the speed guy to stretch the field vertically so on that interception when they finally made it into the red zone again now Listen, I think that maybe Huntley could have thrown it slightly different. I don't really put it on Huntley. I think Deshaun Jackson paused a little bit, be, and and that allowed the the cornerback to to go ahead and and um, intercept it. But at the same time, Q, well, if we're talking about identity, is Deshaun Jackson the right guy to be doing a slant inside the red zone where you know you're going to get blown up whether you catch it or not? That's not his identity. So what are we doing here? Like, what is Greg Roman doing there? So that that's where you would have Demarcus Robinson going there, running that route, or you get tough, you get big. I know from a size standpoint, he's not big, but from a toughness standpoint, when I say get big and, and you just know I got to I gotta snatch the ball out of the air and take that hit, that's when you got Duve. Duve has, has been doing punt returns. Punt returns, I mean, that's, that's a, a violent uh, occupation. So, okay, cool. In this particular case, it's it's like that. You know there's going to be a lot of traffic, and you just go in there, snatch the ball out of the air, and you know take the hit, take one for the team, and off you go. Um, yes, personnel-wise, somewhere along the line in practice, again, <laughs> ask any coach, ask any player, a good running, smooth practice is one where you practice situational football over and over and over again. So when the play call is there, personnel-wise, you have those guys that you like, I can depend upon him. That's where, when you guys are talking on a vault, as far as identity, you you got your guys, you got your possession guys, you got your speed, go deep guys, you got your guys that are like, have the flair for the dramatic, have the flair to like, make the big clutch play. And if it is tight end-centric, okay, then you're going to have to live with the tight end-centric and create those plays for your tight end group. It seems to me that when Lamar is not in there and and when Lamar is in there and not in there, it seems to me that his dynamic play, uh, his, his, his um, unique skill sets, it puts the defense on pause. And I think that's where Greg tries to get a little fancy with the spices and, and tries to be overly creative. And now Lamar can fix some things. Whereas when Tyler's in there, you'll see that more of a, a, a steady kind of, like, all right, you're going to go to, you know, this receiver on this, you're going to go to this read. And it's a little bit more what we would, you know, deem traditional. But I, again, I don't, from the practice field to the play call sheet to the Saturday, well, whatever, the pregame walkthrough to the actual game, there's a disconnect somewhere. And that's that's the frustration, I think, um, fans and and us observers are are checking out. It's like there's a disconnect there, and, and it and it doesn't make sense. Hey Q, Sarah, I've been thinking about this since the game went final. I, I don't know if anything's different about tonight if Lamar Jackson's under center. Maybe little things here and there, but I don't know if they win this game tonight with Lamar Jackson under center. And I think it kind of opens up the conversation for a bigger picture one over the next month or so. Does him coming back, let's say he does come back, he's expected, Sarah tweeted this out earlier today, Ian Rappaport says that not only is he expected to return to practice this upcoming week, but they're hopeful, got a relative term there, that he'll play Christmas Eve against the Falcons. 
would it be unreasonable of us, unreasonable of this fan base to sit here and assume that things are going to change offensive deficiency wise overnight when he comes back into the lineup, Sarah? I mean, listen, you have a point in that when he comes back, he's still going to be inheriting a broken pass game because he doesn't have control over the scheme and he doesn't have control over the wide receiver talent, which I think both of those are lacking. That being said, yeah, that's exactly right there. Damian Woody, Ravens wide receiver situation is malpractice, which is what we've covered on the Morning Vault. I went into deep detail about, about it. It just is not a priority spending-wise. They're trying to make it a priority draft-wise, but they haven't drafted well enough to lean on that for this position. So, yes, when Lamar Jackson comes back, he will be inheriting that. That being said, Lamar Jackson has shown us for years that he he can be Superman. So I can't sit here and say that Lamar Jackson being here, they would have lost anyway. I don't know that. I think that Lamar Jackson is um, is is a better RPO reader – uh, run option reader. I feel like Huntley isn't as good at reading when to hand it off or when to run it himself. He's obviously not as good of a runner as Lamar is. I also felt like Huntley at the end there when it was like, the, it's no, basically little to no time left. And he just kept holding onto the ball. I mean, the whole thing that was supposed to be good from Huntley was that he's supposed to be like in rhythm and all of that and get the ball out. But then he became so indecisive, whereas I feel like Lamar sometimes holds it for sure. But then he but he holds it to make the huge play. And those at least happen two or three times a game with his arm or he's going to go ahead and scramble. And he gets first yards easier when he's scrambling than when Huntley does. So so. Would I say that they're not going to win it with Lamar here? No, I'm not going to say that. But to your point, he's still inheriting a broken pass game that it's just unfair to ask him to fix all on his own. I think the big play run, going back to that, because you, it's hard to go this late in the season and just try to revamp everything. And so, Again, you 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 knocked it out the park in in your your Ravens Vault uh, podcast when you were talking about you know the scenario with the the historical element of the receivers, um, the the free receiver free agency element of it all, and, and going back to to <laughs> the day when I came aboard on Brian Billick's um, watch. And whether it was myself going through the Derek Mason years to the Anquan Bolden years, uh, you know, the, the, the TJ Hushmanzada to the Michael Crabtrees to the um, Lee Evans, uh, you know, all the guys that have come through there free agency wise, there have been some production uh, there for sure. Steve Smith senior. I can't forget about him. Um, so, is it that the free agency guy hasn't produced? It's the it's the the homegrown guy, the homegrown guy. There's always something, and you pointed that out. Again, this offense isn't that homegrown receiver-based offense. It's a homegrown tight end-based offense. Unfortunately, Kohler didn't, you know, have 
the good start because of the hernia surgery. Obviously, you know, Isaiah, what we saw in preseason is dramatically different than what we've seen in the regular season because of the fact that he's a rookie and having his his rookie blues, I guess, if you will. Uh, you know, Mark Andrews, something is, is amiss with Mark. Um, you know, w- when you look at his play, obviously uh, the running game is front and center. Now, if Lamar is in there to that running game point, I'm telling you, it's it's scary for a defense to know J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards is there and you're trying to put your attention on him and, oh, by the way, number eight just ran right by you or made you look silly. I think that 198, you know, it bumps up to 234 and now they're just rolling. They're controlling the clock and it's, 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 it's Lamar Jackson in them. The red zone, though, has been an issue. And so I don't know you know, what would have happened if Lamar was in there because of, you know, his red zone production or the offense. I don't want to say his and, ooh, make the people on Twitter <laughs> go all nuts. But I will say the, in general, um, offense, it has, like, been just so poor once it's gotten into the red zone. And, and Lamar, you know, even himself was like, we got to score points. And they haven't, you know, for whatever the reason, there's there's been a lot, you know, that you could you could blame it on the scheme, you you could blame it on the the the, the players and the production. Um, there's a lot to go around, but the bottom line, you haven't been able to score in the red zone. So that's my only X factor. What would it have been if Lamar's in there? They would have been more dominant running the ball, controlling the clock for sure. How would it have been in the red zone? You gotta roll the dice. I don't know. Mark Andrews, guys, you hit on a number of points there, Q, that I think we should kind of expand on. And probably at the top of that list is Mark Andrews, who has not scored a touchdown since week six. Sarah, we covered this uh, thoroughly this week on the vault. And while we certainly talked about it on the pregame show earlier today as well, you want to acknowledge what he's been doing uh, in terms of roles that span beyond pass catching. He was a big part of the game-winning run last week in Pittsburgh from a blocking standpoint, and he's drawn some tough assignments in that category. But, man, uh, it wasn't all that long ago that he was banged up with a knee and shoulder injury, not making any excuses. Uh, there certainly was one play that we mentioned last week in Pittsburgh where Tyler kind of was flushed out to the right, completely missed him on the left-hand side for what would have been a walk-in touchdown. And then, of course, there's one specific play tonight that that's um, fresh in my mind, and, and I, I would think Lamar makes this happen. But Tyler's just not as comfortable in the pocket. And if you remember, not sure what quarter it was. I got to go back and look at my notes. But he found Mark Tyler did on the near side and it just, there was a little bit of hang time on it. Yeah, and Johnson yeah. came in and get, yeah, Johnson, Johnson came in there. One of the DBs for, uh, for Cleveland and got a hand on it. And, uh, it was just a better defensive play, but isn't the timing just a little bit off there, Sarah? Yeah, it's, it's it, yeah. Mark, I, you can call it excuses. I, I don't know if I ever call injuries an excuse. If, I mean, injuries affect the game, injuries affect the game. And it's just I mean bottom line. We don't know if he's still banged up. That's all. You know? Got you. Got you. Up. It's a season. It's a collision sport. You're banged up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to be. But, uh, I, I mean, everybody's going to be. But, yeah, I mean, it's it, – listen, it's a combination of all of this. We've we've saw it's, – it's, I'm sure he's banged up. He's with his backup quarterback that doesn't have the same timing and chemistry that Lamar has. But, to your point, he hasn't been catching touchdowns 
even with Lamar still here. But then this just keeps bleeding black into the same point that we keep making is you didn't invest in receivers. You you do have you did have Rashad Bateman that was invested, but you put all your eggs in that basket. Nobody is scaring the opposing defense. Nobody. Like Duvernay, I don't know what's going on with Duvernay. He definitely has not been playing as well since Rashad Bateman went down. But he even, uh, even on his kick returns, he hasn't been the same guy. <clears throat> he, like, there were several times where he took it out deep and it was like, Rich, you would hear Rich Eisen say, well, it would have been better for him to just stay in the end zone, you know, to down it. Um, Duvernay hasn't done much. Demarcus Robinson has been stepping up a little bit. He fumbled tonight, which was massive. You do in this case, I definitely have to give Twice. props. Twice. On the one, I had to give props yeah. on the punch out. I'm talking about Demarcus Robinson. Duvernay. No, no, I'm sorry. Had- I was so t- two fumbles for Demarcus. Obviously, one came back to kill him. One was on the opening drive. But then the one thing about Duvernay, too, that you and I were texting about, sorry to interrupt, no, is good. the debauched jet sweep. Uh, Huntley hit him right in the numbers. Uh, that's just yeah. inexcusable. And then we yeah. were also talking about, and the, and the broadcast was picking it up too, that he's having a hard time, Q, uh, locating footballs for whatever reason. I know it was snowy. I know it was windy, but this wasn't just tonight. This spans multiple weeks. This is over a month at this point where he's just not been himself judgment-wise uh, when it comes to special teams. Sorry, Sarah. No, go ahead, Q. I, 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 I think from a piggybacking off of its standpoint, uh, from a Demarcus Robinson thing, um, the, the biggest thing that I look back, I'm going all the way back to Jacksonville where, you know, as much as we thought he had a good, strong game, he drops some passes that I'm like, dang it. Um, I think from him and Lamar chemistry go all the way back to the New Orleans game. And you could see where, yeah, he would have, could have, but it didn't happen. So I, 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 as much as I, I'm just like, all right, Demarcus, you're going to, it's just been kind of a hovering scenario. It hasn't really truly taken off uh, from a, a Duve standpoint. Yeah, he started off the season amazing, real strong, real powerful. I don't know if those stretches of games where, uh, you know, they were talking about the exclamation points of putting it on their play call, got to get Duve the ball. I don't know what, you know, that all was about, um, but he's he he disappeared and we we've been kind of you know wondering what was what as far as like the the looking at the ball and and, and the judgment of it all i mean nothing seemed unusual tonight as far as that was concerned so it possibly could be some level of an, an injury or something that he just doesn't feel himself fully about um yeah, that, that fire, that hunger, that desire to, to make plays happen that we saw early on has has certainly disappeared. Uh, the fumble has certainly been an enigma, and I'm like, ooh, that's uncharacteristic. I think the one thing um, that really, uh, going back to Mark Andrews, that sticks out in my mind, you, you got guys like you know Travis Kelsey and Kittle, who more Kelsey than Kittle, um, but, but, but that's a go-to guy. You know, there are go-to moments that you need your dudes to step up in. And rightly or wrongly, Mark Andrews is your go-to guy. And he hasn't been, whether it be still the banged upness that, oh, man, I'm hampered with my shoulder or whatever. But 
his go-to abilities has dramatically dropped and it's put pressure on the offense. And because of that, you're right. You don't have anyone else really truly able to, to step up and it's caused, you know, a lot of just, you know, erratic passing attack play. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm off on this, but this was really kind of the first time that, uh, I think John really like was just blunt about it. You know, like, yeah, the passing attack, you know, and I was like, ho, ho, okay. This plane ride home is going to be interesting. Uh, there's, 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 there's going to have to be some accountability. I've, I've been on the broadcast booth many a time and been through many a coordinator and outside of uh, Caldwell and Gary Kubiak, anytime John is called out, <laughs> Called out a, a a problem area. Change usually is around the corner. I'm I'm very curious to see what what goes on as far as what he said tonight because that was the first time for me. Maybe you guys have heard him, but that was the first time I heard him really specifically call it out like that. No, what? Yeah, I totally agree. But there was something else I'm already forgetting about it, Bobby. What else did he call out this year? And I was like, uh oh, there was one other thing he called out this year. Um, yeah, it was I, um, I, it it was Greg Roman's play call after the Denver game, I believe. What did he say? I totally remember it was something with Greg Roman, though. Do you remember? Oh my god! We got to go back and look it up. But I had the same reaction as 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 Kadri just did right there. That that Harbaugh is patient. I like to consider myself patient. May maybe too patient. And so, because uh, I brought it up, I said it in one of our morning vaults, I brought it up that when he called out uh, Wink Martindale, basically saying, if you keep going back to the well and you keep pulling off these, these cover zeros and you're bringing the house, they start to expect that. And so then they can just game plan around it. So then when he called out the passing game tonight, which again, you played on that first clip, but then afterwards there was a follow-up question where I think it was Hensley that asked, well, when Lamar gets back, will it be better? And then Harbaugh's like, look, it's the same question that you asked us tonight, Bobby. Like, when Lamar gets better, back, is it going to be better? Well, yeah, to a certain degree because he's an MVP. But then he said <clears throat> he had Tyler Huntley sitting right in front of him. And he says, look, I've got a quarterback here that's capable of everything. He's like, it's everything else. That's calling out your offensive coordinator. Now, he did call out a few wide receivers because he said in the very beginning, he said that, uh, oh, he said he would have wanted to grind it out instead of doing a trick play. Okay, oh, so that was it. Oh, right. You're talking Proche. about where there were Prochet's ball and everybody lost their mind. And yes. I think for John, he was like, oh, oh, hell to the gnaw. Yeah, yes. Like saying that in the press conference, Yes. Right. And then so he kind of did he's definitely calling out his OC, but he also did call out in the very beginning when he was talking about execution, he said there were receivers wrong running the wrong routes. Now, we we don't know that unless they say it. And he doesn't usually he so with him calling out the passing game, then him saying we we should be able to get a fourth and one, but we didn't, so I'm going to stop calling it. So now he's like you players have just told me I can no longer bet on you because I've been betting on you for years, but now I'm I'm looking dumb betting on you, so I'm going to stop and I'm going to go ahead and put it in Tucker's leg. And then, yes, we called out the, the wide receiver routes, 
but he's certainly calling out his OC also to your point Q. I think it's, 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 it's one of those things where, uh, again, <laughs> the plane ride home, um, there's going to be some, some real serious conversation and some serious like, huh, what, what are we doing here? Because again, you're, everything is right in front of you. And the last few weeks, you know, you're like, yeah. let's even go back again to uh, Jacksonville where, where Josh Oliver, um, you know, it looked like he should have, would have, could have caught the one seam route in the end zone. He winds up, it just goes off his fingertips. And I, I look back at that and the, and the ball was right around that 18 yard line. The throw was a, was a dime throw because it literally um, uh, landed right around or the arc of the throw was right around that 22 yard mark, which was uh, two, three yards into the end zone. That's the landing point. And if you're not overly emphasizing that and preaching that uh, to your guys, hey, this is what we're expecting. This is what we're expecting. In my mind, I'm like, mother of pearl, like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing as a as, as a coach? And and I, I've heard it said before that, yes, the applause has been for Greg Roman with his creativity, with his 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 running game. And, and you know, Peyton Manning was like, oh, man, there's just so many options that, uh, you know, you have in the rushing attack. Yet at the same time, I wonder, you know, from the the passing guys that were brought in, uh, you know, a few years back to to enhance the passing attack are they are they still being asked to enhance you know where are the concept routes that are being implemented and and why are they not be and then at the same time from a receiver standpoint are you now saying the receivers because maybe the receivers are just out there like man I ain't gonna get the ball so oh my god I got the ball oh now you're gonna throw it to me so there's some psychological warfare going on in, uh, in, in in the building when it comes to the receivers and the passing attack. Yeah, and I saw you put up a comment here, Bobby, from Josh saying, you know, just get the ball to Prochet more with the, with the laughing face. Like, yeah, I mean, it's you can no longer say that, that the coaches have not given both Prochet and Duvernay the chances, right? Like, Prochet, there's a couple of catches that would have been tough, but like if you're if you're the guy that is showing that you should be on the field and get more opportunities, you know, you reel them in. You reel them in. The bottom line is nobody's stepping up and everybody has plenty of opportunity. So much opportunity that we're yelling at Greg Roman for for passing so much. Like I, I just it just is beyond me that that like that there was just the, that you weren't I, running more. I, I, I just don't understand the game plan. I, I think what Greg did was fooled himself, and and Cleveland, I think they did a masterful job um, in in this regards. Cleveland, I think in last year's game, uh, Tyler when he had to come in for Lamar, there was a lot of press man on the outside. And that's when the Rashad Bateman uh, coming out party where homeboy was just making plays. Now in this game, they played a lot of zone. They were like, nah, we're not going to go ahead and, and play one-on-one matchup size. We're going to go ahead and force Tyler to go through progressions. We're going to see what concepts you, Greg Roman, have. 
and and see them work from a zone aspect of things. And, and I think that's where, for him, they didn't have an answer. I think they play way more zone, and I don't think the man-to-man concept routes or what they thought they were going to see and the game plan, what they thought we were going to see, it didn't come to fruition. And that's why where you see Warren Sharp's tweet of uh, tw- uh, Huntley with his 28 attempts, you know, it's like, yeah, they put up those 28 attempts because of what they thought they were going to see. And kudos to what actually Cleveland did defensively. Was there ever a time today where Tyler took a shot? You know, bless you. Was there ever a time today where Snoop took a shot? I mean, you kept waiting for them to take a shot. And hey, there were a couple different angles that the NFL network camera crew gave us on a, a number of situations where he took some sacks there or uh, late in the game where there was just no one to throw to. So I guess how do you balance uh, his indecisiveness with what he may have been looking at downfield there? Well, for one, listen, we've we've been on Greg Roman and and, and some of the stuff just wasn't open for sure. But also, Tyler Huntley, you can throw the ball away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, there were a couple of times where it was like, Snoop, there's nothing there. So either take off and run or throw the ball away. And, and you know, that's going to happen to all quarterbacks and OCs a couple times a game where it's just like, this ain't it. So well, I'm going to throw this away and live to, you know, throw this away to live another day rather than take a sack and, and move things back. So... Um, did he ever take, uh, uh, the longest throw I remember yet was to Mark Andrews was that 19 yard catch that they connected on right before the end of the third quarter, before the fourth, like that was the first time it looked like something good was happening. And then right afterwards, Duvernay had a little something going on and then the, the quarter ended and then the fourth quarter was a, a wreck like the rest of the game. So other than that, no, you were hoping he would take a shot, especially on that last drive, but just held on and nothing was open. A lot of zone coverage, uh, the zone schemes, I think, for what they thought they were going to see. He just didn't have that confidence to to make that throw, which, again, goes back to what you were saying, Bobby, with the one throw to the sideline to Mark Andrews that kind of hung up in the air for a while. As soon as the ball got there, the defender got there, um, I had actually made a comment, man, you got to make that catch critical. Well, that type of a player in Mark Andrews, you know, you you know what you're getting with your quarterback. You you know all week long, you got to snatch that ball out of the air. You you got to have a way to to come up with it. But to that point, I don't know if um, Tyler felt confident in throwing it in tight windows, and that's where again, you know, his I don't I don't know maybe it, it, does he not have the zip that we. I guess thought he would have had or, or or should have had, but regardless of what it is, it didn't work tonight. Hey, here's a question for you, Q, because there were plenty of players, and this is the part of the Ravens that I that I do appreciate. I do like I do like that players on the Ravens accept accountability. We saw it last week after the Steelers game when Marlon Humphrey went online and said, Hey, I was a liability tonight. And by the way, he had a great game. He had a good bounce back game. Um saved a touchdown at, at one point there. Um, now we had two players who were trying to take accountability, but they were either the bright spot or usually the bright spot. So one of them is JK Dobbins. He gets up and he says, look, I feel like part of this loss is on me. 
even though he had 125 yards just two games back from a second knee surgery. Uh, but he says, look, I feel like this is partly on me. Stick with us. I'm going to get my speed back to break those long ones for us. Trust me. Okay. Uh, so that was my question. You've got J.K. Dobbins. We're two games in a row now. He is bursting, and he's got the cut. He's bursting right through, but he doesn't have that kind of fifth year that once he's through to 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 just, like, take it home. I 1,000% believe that 37-yarder would have been a house call if he had – if it was pre-surgery J.K. Dobbins. But this is my question. Is it is it realistic to think he can find that fifth gear – in December and January, coming off of what he's coming off of? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it in a hesitant voice because uh, I don't want to doubt his his uh, ability. I don't want to you know make it seem as though there's some kind of hating going on. But the reality of a ACL repair from the running back aspect of things it usually takes that full two years to be like back to your ultimate fifth gear self. Um, I know Hall of Famer Edwin James had a devastating um, knee injury, clearly from a, a surgical standpoint and what they do nowadays compared to back then. Uh, technological advances, hallelujah. There are some things, you know, rehab-wise that, you know, I, I, I'm imagining and I'm hoping that, is happening uh, and taking it to the next level uh, in this regards. But um, when it, when it comes to like that fifth gear for JK this late in the year, it, that, that's, that's going to be, that's a monumental task. Now, if he was closer in, I think he gets in. Like I think anything from 37 yards out, JK can take it to the house, but I think his top end speed is right around that 37 yard mark. Anything further than that, you know, it's like this hey, kind of just stays that yeah. even kill. Yeah. And that's no disrespect. That's just that's just the reality of, of the injury and, and what he's dealing with. Yeah, no, we've seen Man. this whole time. That's why I asked you is this whole time he's been unrealistic, which I get. That's what you want the player to be. You yeah. want the player to be like, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So I'm glad he's not scared. I'm glad he's not like second doubting himself, all of that. But he's he's been too optimistic this entire time with what his knee will do, which is just it, you, it makes you feel for him because there's nothing worse than when you have all the heart and all the desire and your body just won't do what you want it to do. And that happens to all football players as they get older. But but right now, at least he's younger, so he has hope that he'll get his knee there. But that's that's the most frustrating thing in the in the in the world when your body won't do what you want it to do. Well, I, I think you know psychologically the fact that he's getting those big runs will continue to encourage him. Um, I think psychologically the ability to to see the hole, nowhere to go, nowhere to make those cuts. Um, you know, J.K. is 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 on track and on pace, and that's that's really important. I mean, there's some some hits that he's taken. Uh, that shows me like, he's like, man, I'm good. My knee is good. Everything is fine. Now the, the fifth gear, that's, that's the only thing that I, I see is like, yeah, but yeah, his vision, um, the touchdown run after the big run that he had in Pittsburgh, man, that's a plus plus right there. Uh, the, the big run that he had tonight, 
that was strong. But there were some other runs that he had. He had to turn around and manipulate his body to snatch the ball out of the air uh, in in a, uh, a throw to the flat that um, you know Snoop had to him. That shows me that he has no real restriction when it comes to his body and his knee. Those are all great signs um, and, and trending forward for for JK to continue to get better. Hey Q, you're not keeping any secrets from us. He hasn't been training missile training with you because that that lateral quickness, that shiftiness, those slick cuts. Looks like he's been with you in your uh, facilities there, man. Oh, bro, I, I would I'd be living large if I had JK because there's some things that, you know, Sarah and I have talked about it ad nauseum, and I won't bore y'all on my on y'all podcast, but just just to say real quick, quickly, I think his his talent has far and away helped him more than uh, the the process of how to get him back out on the field. To put it politically correct. Hey, I'm just getting being reminded by some comments here. It is it's it's J.K. Dobbins' birthday today. Mm, happy birthday. Ah, so happy birthday to JK. And then I saw, yeah, another, thank you for the reminder. Uh, and another comment I had seen is the last person to be apologizing is, is JK. That's true. And the second person who shouldn't apologize is Justin Tucker. Uh, uh, according to Marlon Humphrey, yeah. JK Dobb, or excuse me, Justin Tucker went in the locker room and tried to put the whole game on him. And apparently the whole locker room was like, never say that again. Never. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. like, how many games have you won for us? And and it's like, it's in the snow, the one that he missed, you know, it's in the snow. It's the wind is howling. And the second one was blocked. That's I don't know if that's on him or if it was too low. I don't think so. I think it was just a good play by the defender and the offensive lineman didn't get him down. And so, uh, but it's just crazy to me that the two guys that, you know, are the bright spots right now are trying to apologize for this for this loss. I, I think it speaks to their character um, as far as the the, the locker room itself, um, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, guys quickly uh, – <laughs> Tuck gets a lifetime pass. Heck, yeah, he does. I mean, anytime it's from 50, you're just like, yep, he made it. Go ahead. Yep, mm -hmm. it's, it's good. Um, he, he is arguably the clutchest – not arguably. He's the clutchest kicker in NFL history, period. Go ahead, Adam Vinatieri, say something against it. I think when it comes to all conditions in the AFC North, you know, Tucker doesn't flinch. And I, I know that this is just more motivation for him to to really, you know, again, hone in on his craft. That's already darn near perfection. Hey, Bobby, that, that sorry, Bobby, the, the, the comment you just had up about getting off the ledge. Can we go back to that? Yeah, let me around? just add, before we move on from Justin, yeah. let me just add that the 53-yard okay. miss, the 53-yard miss according to those that were actually inside First Energy Stadium, which was uh, not a monsoon, but like there was some flurries that were moving all around, swirling. Uh, that kick was into the wind, so we should just mention that. And then, obviously, it was just a heck of a play on the block. So, yeah, let's pull up the off-the-ledge well, comment. And while you're looking for it, that was – his first miss from under 50 this season, he was 22 of 22. Dang. And counting his block, I guess that officially gets counted as a miss. That's his yeah. first game with two missed field goals since 2018. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's goat stuff All right, right there. So, and before so the we get into comment. Tim, Sarah. 
Yeah, sorry. Hey, one, go ahead. one one quick thing. Just want to let it, just want to let everybody know that's in this this stream and cue is a part of a little uh, personal milestone for us. For the first time on a post game live stream, we have over 350 combined people watching this concurrently with us. So thank you for the support. Please, if you're watching on YouTube, just go ahead and like the video. It'll then kind of shoot this thing out to other channels that maybe haven't discovered us yet. We create daily Ravens content. If it's the first time, please consider subscribing to the channels. We appreciate you being here, partner. <laughs> Thanks, Can Bobby. I give you guys another cosign uh, off of that? Like you guys, when it comes to content, um, you know, both Sarah and Bobby, they do an amazing job of putting together a quality podcast. Um, so, yeah, you definitely subscribe, like it, all that, comment on it. They absolutely interact with their fan base. Uh, they're not. Uh, kind of up there on the, on the high and mighty cloud. Um, they bring very good educated uh, wisdom when it comes to talking about the Ravens. It's not just like, oh, we just love our team and that's that. <laughs> no, it's we love our team, but we're going to explain in a balanced way what we're seeing and, and talk about it. So I think uh, they both do an amazing job and you guys will be missing out if you if you don't uh, look at what, what the Ravens vault is all about on a daily. That's great of you, Q. Thank you, Q. Thank you so much. That's that's you, very nice. Thank you. We appreciate that a lot. Um, We're two and one since the starter went out, and the D is playing lights out. Get off the ledge. We'll be okay when the starter gets back. Hopefully, even he wasn't even he wasn't getting tutties. I get what he's saying as far as like the red zone issues is is kind of still out there. Um, yes, two and one is awesome. Yes, the defense is playing lights out, but at the same time, the doggone Bengals and and all the other AFC leading teams, like it's not just about like finishing okay. It's about we are looking forward to this team advancing in the playoff. That's that's where the ultimate goal is at, not just well, we're two and one and our starter and now we trying to make this thing like happen, and it's probably going to come down to week 18. Although I think Pittsburgh, after getting punked at home, mother of pearl, I don't know. It's going to be that's going to be some 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 warfare right there when it comes to the back and forth uh, that's going to be happening at MT Bank when uh, Pittsburgh comes back to town. But yeah, yeah. we're on the ledge. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm on the ledge in, in terms of having hope for a deep playoff run. I I commend the Ravens for, um, as he's pointing out, being two and one since Lamar Jackson went down. I commend them for their accountability, uh, all of that. And, and winning back-to-back games, you know, in the AFC North on the road is no small task. I think what the, the problem is, is that, we keep seeing the same movie and now I'm starting and now we already know what the ending is going to be. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, somebody had asked me, you know, when I did, when we did that, that episode on just the Ravens, not making wide receiver priority. And they're like, so now you're seeing this. And I'm like, so I had to, I had to pull out a 2020 tweet that I had coming out of 2020. And I literally said in it, and I showed it to this guy, I said, this is nothing new. I don't gripe about it every week because I've accepted who the Ravens are. 
and because it's a pretty darn good organization. So I've accepted, I accepted that coming into this season, they were going to try to recreate 2019 and, and it just hasn't worked. And so at the end of the 2020 season, I tweeted as soon as the Ravens lost against the bills, I said, the off season priority is clear. You have to fix the passing game. So I said that in 2020, I said that in 2021, and here we are again with what looks to be the worst passing game in the league. If it's not totally, um, if it's not number 32, it's close. And after today, if it wasn't 32 before today, it might be today. And it's like, I love this Ravens movie, but why can't we get an average pass game? I'm telling you, an average pass game would change this all. Go ahead and be defensive first. Go ahead and be run first on offense. Go ahead and get your tight ends. Why, though? Why can't there be enough priority to make the wide receivers core average? Because when Q was talking about the Steve Smiths of the world and all of that, it's like it's not like they were like the number one passing attack then either. It's not like they were when they had Aquan Bolden and Torrey Smith. It wasn't number one back then either, but it was respected. So, so, so am I on the ledge? I'm on the ledge in terms of I know where this, this movie's going to end because you can't go in, up against the, the Buffalo Bills. You can't go up against the Miami Dolphins. You can't go up against the, the Kansas City Chiefs with a broken pass game. And so they'll make it competitive and they'll make it to the playoffs. And I'm grateful for that. I love that the Ravens are competitive year in and year out. What's frustrating is that it's like you keep acting like you, we can do this with the 26th, the 27th, the 28th ranked pass offense. You can't. We've seen the movie before. Get at least an average passing game and then we're talking. And then we're talking. I got, sorry, I got into my soapbox there. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, it's interesting with the way comments happen, um, things get spun out of context. And, you know, if, if there was a rant that if, if you guys will allow me my quick, small. Yeah, rant. hold on. Let's let me give you hold on, Q. So when I did that morning vault, right, that called out not putting a priority on the passing oh, on, on the wide goodness. receiver specifically, yep. you gave me a shout out. You gave the yep. show a shout out, which was awesome. And then people started jumping all over you. And that's oh. when you specifically asked to come on this show. So this, that was the impetus, the trigger to, for us to be like, Hey, we got to get this going. So what do you, what do you, let's get to that part. What are you trying to clear up when people were jumping all over you, when you were agreeing that the, that the wide receiver crew isn't enough. So even real quick back to the summer, somehow, I think um, I was on a, a Twitter live and, and uh, the one uh, lady, I forget her name. I was on uh, her show and I think it was, it was you and I, and they were asking about Lamar's contract. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, basically he's going to get what he's going to get. This is what they're offering him. So it was, it was more along the lines of here's the facts. Here's what it is. Lamar is going to either sign it or not sign it. Um, you know, he has, it, it's interesting because it's, generational wealth now that being said that was all i said that spurned into somehow kadri ismail hating on lamar jackson and oh kadri is telling everybody that lamar is not worthy of the contract and all the things so then come to the season 
it's I'm, I'm, I'm watching and observing and I make a comment and then it's like, oh, now you want to jump on Lamar's bandwagon. I'm like, what? What are you even talking about? Like Lamar has been doing what he's been doing and I've been saying what I've been saying, but never have I hated or jumped off the bandwagon or even jumped on the bandwagon. I've just been like, yo, I like what I see. I like what the Ravens are doing. The thing that got me was when Lamar, unfortunately, uh, in the Broncos game, the defense, first of all, was a top-rated defense. Badass defense. Them dudes was bringing it. They were hitting. Lamar goes down, I think, about 10 snaps in. Tyler's on the sideline. You can see him. He had his coat on. He's like, I'm just watching the game. I'm feeling pretty good. I had a good warm-up. Good for y'all. Go ahead. All right, fellas. Oh, shoot. I got to get in the game. Jackie comes off. It's third and long. He literally, now I'm sitting there like, oh, my goodness. Lamar can't go down. This is something where they got to come back. And if they can come back and and, and, and and you're positioning yourself for the playoffs and holy mother of pearl, you're, you're talking about uh, Cincinnati. They're, they're putting themselves in position. He throws a comeback route to Duvernay. Duvernay snatches out of the air, turns up field, doesn't get the first down. But in my mind, I was like, okay, that's good. He comes back out on the field and he starts driving down the field. Literally, I was like, wow, he's in command. I said, uh, Huntley's in command of the offense. Huntley's in command of the offense as a backup. Basically, all I am saying is this. If I am the backup, I got to be mentally taking mental reps. I'm not running with the first team in practice. I got to take mental reps and be ready and see what I see from the video aspect of things when we're watching film. So when I'm out there on the field, which I don't want to be out there on the field because I want our starting quarterback in Lamar out there. That's my dude, his dude. Snoop is sitting there. But if I am out there, I'm a competitor and I don't want to have a drop off. There wasn't a drop off, a significant drop off that it made me tweet out, wow, okay, all right, we have a chance. All I want is a chance, guys. I just want a chance to win, which he delivered. And then that's when the flood of these beep arse, pain in the neck tweets come about that I'm like, bruh, what are y'all talking about? You don't even make sense. Yeah, so they were re- doing a lot of retweets, and I'm like, y'all are going back to the summer of some stupidity to present day. You don't even know what you're talking about. So somehow, some way, I'm like Mr. Uh, uh, Greg Roman. Oh, he and I are BFFs. <laughs> I don't give a flying Rip Van Winkle about Greg Roman and what he's doing or not doing. I want the offense to 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 be balling. I'm just simply stating what the offense is. So if it's what it is, all right, now I'm in observation mode. Is it going to work or is it not going to work? Is Mark Andrews going to be the guy? What's Charlie Kohler going to be like? Oops, he had surgery. Oh, my goodness. What about Likely? Likely stepped up in his preseason. Okay, that's great. So that's awesome. But what about the regular season? He's had an up-and-down season. Y'all trade for Demarcus Robinson. How y'all going to use him or not use him? I don't know. Duvernay. Man, I hope Duve does his thing. Boy, he came out strong, and then all of a sudden he disappeared. Y'all run a lot of option routes to Mark Andrews, but you don't run concept routes to other guys that I think they kind of get, they fall asleep. Like, well, guess I'm not getting the ball. All I know is I'm in observation mode, and that's it. That whole other thing of what you say or you think I am saying, literally, if you 
are sitting there watching the game and you have seconds to type out something and give a strong observation of what you're seeing. Tyler Huntley commanding the offense. There's other football left to go in the, in the game. So I'm watching right at that moment. He was in command. 91 yards later in the fourth quarter, he was still in command and helped them win the game against Denver against a very good defense. But now all of a sudden, those who are Lamar Jacksonites who are not Raven fans, y'all can't be Raven fans. Y'all got to be Lamar Jacksonites. That's who y'all are. Call it what it is. And that's it. There's my rant. I'm done. Yeah, I actually saw that. I Now that you bring that up, I actually saw that go live because I remember you did. You put it in all, I think you put it in all caps, right? Like look at Tyler Huntley commanding the offense. And, and it's just so funny because what we're doing on Twitter during the game is we're all doing it play by play. And there are so many times where people re will read into your analysis of one play and read so much more into it. I feel like people also read into other people's comments. So like if you if you tweet if you tweet look at Tyler Huntley commanding the offense and then there are people underneath that who say yeah Q so don't don't pay Lamar Jackson right so then right. they're they're thinking you you said that with your tweet when in reality it's that's the way other people interpreted the tweet if Kadri Ishmael didn't say don't pay Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley's better than Lamar Jackson but those who don't want to see the Ravens pay Lamar Jackson fully guaranteed money. They'll, they'll start pushing that agenda underneath anything positive you say against uh, or anything positive you say about Tyler Huntley. So then it just becomes so polarized and it happens all the It happens to all of us for sure, where people read into our tweets, what was never there. And they're either reading in people's comments to it or they're reading in or they're looking at, they go back and look at it with, the whole season or the whole game in mind when it was like, I wrote that after a play. That's what we all do on Twitter. So let's not read more into it. That's so well said, Sarah. And and that that's why I, I was like, let me come on and, and at least say it. If if you have a question about what I am saying, then I am I am more than happy to engage with you and I'll go into depth on what I saw. But for you to make some just pretty much jackass comments it, that, that makes no sense to me. I'm like, I, you, you're not even making any sense. Like it, it's <laughs> never do I want a guy not to get paid. Never do I, the Deshaun Watson guaranteed monies weren't even on the table yet. When I back in the day was talking about the, the range of monies that was going on with Lamar. Kyler Murray didn't even get paid yet. That wasn't even in the discussion. The whole trading uh, to Denver with, with uh, Russell Wilson, that wasn't even, even a thought. This is like in the early part of the, the year. So I hope whomever is screen recording right now, this beautiful podcast and all the things, y'all want to be like, oh, God, we got the receipts. Go ahead, homeboy, cash in your receipts. Oh, what's up? Oh man, let's uh I just wanted to share Marlin's post-game tweet that was put up about 20 minutes ago or so on Twitter. Are we a good or bad football team? Only time will tell. 
carry on. And obviously there's no Instagram live from the plane ride back tonight, needless to say, but he did have a nice bounce back game. We've barely talked any defense throughout the last hour or so. So why don't we spend the next couple of minutes talking about the other side of the football, even though they weren't the biggest storyline tonight, that doesn't mean that uh, there were a few guys, there aren't a few guys that are on that plane right now wishing they had a couple plays back. And I think that begins with probably Justin Houston's face mask, as Stuart points out on Facebook, that extended what would become a 91-yard drive, cashed in with a touchdown led by Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson. Knew that was going to happen eventually. But uh, so, so Stewart says, you know, lots of stupid mistakes, like Houston tackling Watson with the face mask. The same drive led to the only touchdown. And I'll take it a, a step further, though, I, to be honest, and maybe this absolves Houston a little bit, if he hadn't, and you guys can let me know, we've all seen the replay at this point. If he hadn't have grabbed on, uh, we all know Deshaun's one of the most elusive quarterbacks in the game, regardless of whether or not he's played in 700 days or not. Uh, I don't know if he would have grabbed, I don't know if he would have been able to get him down if it weren't for grabbing his face mask. Did you guys have anything on that? The only thing I, I can, you know, kind of jump in on that was, uh, yeah, you're, 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 you're reacting so quickly to, to yes, try to get at him, and and when I saw it, I was like, dang it! It just it's is a part of the you know the the process, part of football. When it when it comes to that, um, I think just the, the the bigger picture for me, uh, when the the whole flow um, of it with the defense is that I, I see like for example Kyle Hamilton like. My God, that dude is coming into his own. Uh, I, I, I mean, unless I'm, I'm mistaken, I didn't really see much of Marcus Williams tonight do much of anything. Um, not that that's bad. It's, it's just, you know, I just didn't see much of his play. Uh, Chuck Clark, you know, it was, it was cracking me up because him and Ajabu was going back and forth, John. And uh, I love that. I love that. You know, you, you're like, all right. Oh, him and Njoku, you mean? I apologize. Njoku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there was bound to happen, Bobby. It was bound to happen. <laughs> which, we, which, by the way, we, we should get to that in a second because we didn't see much of David Ajabo tonight, unsurprisingly. We can get to that in just a bit. Yeah, so Njoku, like, I think for him, he was like, yo, I'm about to blow this thing up because he's been having, like, like a really strong year. Uh, but, like, I, I think Chuck Clark was up to the task and, and obviously made a, a great play in the uh, uh, red zone uh, in, a, in, a, in the corner of the end zone to uh, thwart uh, him getting the touchdown. But even that that whole sequence, that concept routes, the way guys are passing off um, the receivers and the way they did, you know, in previous years, that has been like a stumbling block for the Ravens defense. But it was on point. And, and also it was weird because I saw, uh, you know, Travis Jones. And I was like, you know, I, I almost forgot about him because, like, I, I haven't really seen much of him, like his name called in any form or fashion. Uh, Matabike name, Washington's name, but yeah, like, you know, Travis had maybe the Giants game and that was it. And I hadn't really, you know, been hearing his name before. So it's, it's, it's that whole flow is kind of interesting. Uh, Bobby, back to your question. Uh, I don't know that Deshaun Watson would have converted. It was third and seven when he hit that, when he, when he, you know, collided with them and they, he got him right at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he was sacked for, for zero yards and then they called the face mask. So um, I, I didn't get the feeling that he, he had a lot going on there at the third and seven. So 
Um, now, is this game on Justin Houston? Absolutely not. But but I do think he gifted them the first down on that, and that's what led to their it eventually led to their only touchdown. So uh, I don't know. You can't. You obviously this game is not on the defense. The offense scored three points for heaven's sakes. But what did make what's interesting to me is that I was nervous that the wide receivers would would go off. And but it was like at the end of the day, the 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 Browns didn't even score a lot either. Like I was just kept I kept envisioning that the Ravens would at least score. I don't know, 17, 20 points, somewhere in there. And I was nervous that it would be the defense at the end of a half would give up all these yards, which they did give up a lot of yards. Um, and but but like the defense only gave up 13 points too. So so that's that's bananas. But there were there were times though, they they held strong in the red zone, which is the opposite of the Ravens offense. The Ravens defense held strong in the red zone. Um, but it just felt like in the middle of the field, the windows for Deshaun Watson were wide open. I mean, these windows were huge and they were open and I do not know what was going on there, why they so effortlessly could move the ball. Uh, And I'm just like, geez, I mean, if the Ravens pass game could even get going with these windows, like why was it so wide open? I I don't know what was going on there. I think the the pass concepts – Again, you know, and, and and this goes back to John Harbaugh and what he's talking about as far as what is lacking from the Ravens passing attack. But I think the past concepts are, are clear and evident. And from a zone aspect of things, yeah, you know, you, you got to be on the same page uh, with your receivers and, and the receivers got to recognize, you know, a lot of the, the zone holes that you can you can be in. And, and I think for. What you you saw, Sarah, yeah, it, it was on point. I mean, there was some scenarios there where they just they weren't able to uh, to stop that that uh, just smooth passing game that Deshaun Watson uh, displayed. So, Bobby, just to get you in, you've been so nice and kind of uh, hosting everything for to teeing us up on questions. But but the uh, the question that Marlon Humphrey put out are there are we good or are we bad? Where are you putting them? Oh, well, I just wanted to, to kind of cap off the um, the defensive conversation before I answer that load of a question. But All right. uh, <laughs> I, th- I thought Kyle, yeah, that's a load of a question for sure that I don't know if we can get down to an answer, but I'll try my best. I, I did want to comment on Kyle Hamilton because while he came into this week as the highest graded rookie safety Uh, league wide, which I think there's only 19 and he had been playing, I think it was in the mid seventies, according to PFF terms of grade combined grade over, you know, uh, entering this week and he'd been playing good football. I thought he was picked on early uh, and he whiffed an open space one time that I know like lateral quickness isn't necessarily his forte, uh, but Njoku got him pretty good. And and then the next play he was beaten in man coverage uh, by Amari Cooper for the first down. It was just a tough opening sequence. Uh, Now, he also has his moments and they're flashy typically when he does have his moments like that perfectly timed pursuit off the edge of Deshaun Chubb was nowhere to be found in terms of uh, pass pro and he was right there and bang you know he gets a sack so Kyle's super versatile I think I thought there were some rookie moments tonight that um, that he was exposed a little bit Q yes and and I think part of that is where I'm hoping 
from an in space aspect of things. Uh, it's the trial by fire. Uh, okay, I'm 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 feeling confident, but I'm also feeling like I got to do better. Uh, but overall, I think where he was in the beginning of the season to where he's at now, night and day. Yeah. All right, Sarah, let's return to the aforementioned uh, question here posed by Marlon himself. Let's pull up this tweet because there is no victory Instagram live breaking news. That's not happening tonight on the plane ride back. They're probably already back in Baltimore at this rate anyway. But anyway, for those uh, that are listening in audio only in the future, Marlon tweeted out, are we a good or bad football team? Only time will tell. Carry on. Uh, the big question is, and we kind of, po I posed it to you guys earlier on in this episode. What does Lamar Jackson change? And I, I know he could change everything. He's that dynamic of a player and he should, he should, he commands that kind of respect that he can, um, you know, put a bandaid on all of this and go on a magical run over the next month or so. But I don't see it. I think it's unreasonable. And this is kind of what I was getting at with the question that I, that I posed. I feel that it's unreasonable if he comes back Christmas Eve, which by the way, we should get into that next before we close. If Lamar does end up practicing this week, do you play him uh, Saturday? It's Christmas Eve, Saturday against the Falcons, or do you rest him another week? There were some comments that were posed on my Facebook page earlier today of folks saying, Hey, give, give him another week. Whereas I lie in the camp. That's like, no, 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 no. There's two more regular season games after next week and they're divisional games. I don't want him coming in cold, so to speak, to those. They need to figure something out quickly and sitting. We all remember what happened. Different, different situation right now, but we all remember what that kind of mentality did and how it worked for them in 2019. Week 18, they send RG3 out there. Not a lot of starters. Uh, it was a rainy Sunday in Pittsburgh. Was it in Pittsburgh or in Baltimore? One of the two. And then they end up going on the bye week and coming out flat on that 60-degree balmy night in January in the divisional round against Tennessee. While it's different, I don't want to follow that blueprint again. What do you guys think? I think the later in the year, you need to to be primed and ready. And and Sarah, I know, you know, we've in in past years spoke about that. Like you know, there's a rust factor that happens, and and that rust factor is real. And 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 so. Yeah. If he's ready to go, let him go. Let let especially if you're talking about red zone issues. Like you want to like just keep this flow going and and work it out in real time. Like don't be sitting there like, "Well, we'll just get it in practice. Right, we need to get this thing fixed in real time before week 18." So when week 18 comes in, you are prepared and then you can take whatever you're going to be as far as your positioning in the playoffs. And, and handle your business because all your weaknesses, they get exposed when it comes to playoff football. First of all, I think the Ravens are a good team. I don't think they're a bad team, but I don't think they're an elite team. You cannot be elite with a glaring weakness like they have in the passing game. So they're a good, a good team, and that's where it stops for the season. In terms of Lamar Jackson, I honestly think it's a silly debate that we have online. Like – why are we debating whether or not, like, if Lamar's healthy, he should play. If he's not healthy, he should not play. So, I mean, I don't know if he's healthy. If, if, if the doctors clear him, 
and he feels comfortable because remember we went through this with with um with uh ronnie stanley you know it was john harbaugh kept saying you know it's up to him it's up to him does he feel comfortable on his ankle does he feel comfortable but then there's also a jk dobbins type thing where you have a guy that carelessly will put himself out there and so it's like this is the stuff that it's like I don't know where he's at physically. And so like if the doctors clear him and he feels comfortable on his knee, then he should play. If the doctors don't clear him and or he doesn't feel comfortable on his knee, then he shouldn't play. But there's no doubt in my mind, do the Ravens need him? Absolutely. So if he's capable, if he's cleared and he feels comfortable, let's go. And if he doesn't, hey, it's not like there's some strategy behind this for sure. Like you said, the rest, the rest can be there. You're trying to get the offense going. The offense isn't going to go and get going with him on the bench for sure. And so it's like, ideally, he would have never gotten hurt. So then if he's clear, then ideally he could be back next week and there is no rust and or or they can start knocking off the rust. But it's all a medical decision. So, like, I don't even know what there is to debate. If he's cleared and he feels comfortable, let's go. Let me just throw this in here, too, along the injury front. And then we have a couple Super Chats donations that we'll get to, and then we'll close if you guys are cool with that. Uh, we've had a great audience over the last hour and coming up on 15 minutes. Well over 300 people have been with us uh, over this last hour. So thanks so much. If you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to our YouTube channels and also liking the videos so that other Ravens fans and other football fans can discover us if they haven't already. Uh, Calais Campbell left today's game with what's been, uh, I believe, described as a left knee injury. John Harbaugh did not specify the severity or anything like that post game as he wouldn't either with Marcus Peters, who I think we all agreed in this panel tonight looked a little bit more serious in terms of the visible pain that he was in walk limping off the field with what the team described as a calf injury. So no more details on those. I'm sure we'll figure out more in the early uh, portion of, of next week. But in terms of injuries, aside from Jadavian Clowney leaving with a head injury, I think that's all. Is anybody, am I forgetting anything? No, I just remember Clayus and Marcus Peters being the big ones. Yeah, I think so. That was it, yeah. All right, Booby Miles here checking in with a, a feature donation tonight. Thanks so much. If you want to throw us a few bucks for tonight's stream, you can do so through the YouTube Super Chat feature. Can we elevate Shamar Bridges and get some jump balls thrown in the red zone? We saw that in the preseason, of course. We're missing that element in the passing game. What do you say, Q? Honestly, at this point, I, I, I think it's worth a shot. <laughs> I don't I wouldn't do it, but it's worth a shot. <laughs> so I'm laughing only because it's so late in the year. And, you know, the, the guys that you have, you need to get in a rhythm with them. And namely, the one guy that wears the jersey number 89. And so if eight's back there, you better go ahead and rekindle that love affair that y'all have with one another that's been going since the start of both of your careers. Anything from you there, partner? You want to see Shamar up on the 53? <laughs> it's like, this is bananas. That we're just, I mean, this is bananas that it's December 17th. And we're asking if a practice squad guy can save the passing game. I mean, my gosh, what is going on here? This is like Q said, sure. I mean, <laughs> Nothing else is working. I mean, I mean, I guess so. It's just, it's like I can't believe that we're here. I can't believe that we're here. I mean, we're trying to fix the passing game in December. So, yeah. 
No kidding. Bobby, do I see a $50? Do I see a $50? Uh, I don't know what to call them. They're not donations. Here. What are they called? Super chat features. Let me see. Where are you at? Let's see. Oh, here we go. Numera. Okay. So this is, we, we often get $50 donations from Numera or Numra. I'm not sure what he or she or they in today's world goes by, but, uh, but they say, Hey Bob, rough game today, unfortunate outcome, but it's all right. I'm also loving the shiny head below you. Nice and shiny <laughs> Kadri. Nice, shiny head. I didn't put any powder on uh, Numra and good looking out on uh, that. But I, I also know that you, 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 you're killing the brother with the U in the name. Oh, oh, Numra with your Numra, he, she, they. What's going on with the U? Yes. Right. Powder kind of shines it out. And, uh, but yeah, it's shiny. All right, now our super chat features are rolling right in, so we may have to stay or stick around and answer a couple more of these questions if you guys are okay with that. You got a couple yeah, more minutes okay. if these donations if, come in. Do. Yeah, if the donations are coming. Let's go. My kids are well, gonna... circling around my office doors out here, but <laughs> they need to understand that you got. They have to understand the super chat donations are coming in. Let's go. All right, we'll shut it down in a couple minutes here. Chike, who is a loyal subscriber, loyal uh, loyal listener and all that good stuff, is serious about potentially opening up at the conversation for a new head coach. <laughs> oh, who wants oh, that one? Turn, 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 turn. Like, <laughs> can, can, they, can they get Deion Sanders to come in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Um. Uh, Whatever. I'm sure that there's very angry people out here who are, oh, Josh Hoffman's got one here too. Um, listen, I am, if it hasn't, if you haven't been able to tell, I am ready for a change on offense. And whether that means that we move on from Greg Roman or we give play calling duties to somebody else, I'm here for either one. I know both have happened before. I hate to call for people's jobs. I don't like to do it for players or coaches. Uh, it feels wrong, but I would like to see different play calling going on. Um, I um, I actually tweeted earlier or yesterday that John Harbaugh has now secured 11 winning seasons, uh, which is the second most uh, since he became a coach in 2008. There are a couple other teams that could still secure it, but it wasn't looking good, including the, the Steelers and um, – Green Bay was not looking good. And then I think New England could still get another one, but they were, they were first anyway. Um, I would like to see John Harbaugh. Um, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I know a lot of people get frustrated that he sticks with coordinators for too long. That might be a fair critique. Um, but I still see John Harbaugh as a hall of fame coach. And, um, so for me, my next head coach for me would still be John Harbaugh, though I would like to see a shakeup or something big shaking up on, on offense. So that's where I'm at there. I I'm not quite think, ready to – yeah, go ahead, Q. No, oh, no, real quick. I honestly think when Cyrus started talking about the winning seasons and I then look at, like, other teams that are, are just trying to eke out, like, seasons of 500, man <laughs> – when 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 uh you you recognize uh it's not always green on the other side so uh this is this is a a coach that has figured out the heartbeat of his team 
I again reference back to Jimmy Smith earlier this year when you know he decided to shut it down and retire and some of the ways in which he was speaking about John Harbaugh and his uh, uh, head coaching style on the different teams and how he connected with each team. You know, that that to me speaks volumes on his style of coaching, but also co-sign with, with Sarah saying to Bobby in regards to something got changed, you know, coordinator wise. Um, and that's and, that. And let me and let me just add to it. I would like to see John Harbaugh. He he alluded to it today. He is the head coach. So whether he needs to talk Eric DaCosta into it, Ozzie Newsom, because I know Ozzie Newsom does a voice, Steve Bashotti. He said today that everything in the passing offense needs to be fixed. I would like to see him push the organization to put more of a priority at the wide receiver position because this has been going on for years. And so I, I still love him. I still think that players love to play for him. There's so many players who are like, oh, man, if you hear about it from around the NFL, everybody's like, the Ravens are a great place to play. But there are a handful of other t- organizations where it's also a good place to play. The Ravens aren't the only one, although they are in the upper echelon. And so I would like to see him make a push organizationally to, to fix the pass game. Cause this has been going on for years. And so I would like to see him head that up and just put more of a priority there. Uh, but I still really, really like him as a head coach. I just need that to change organizationally. I think that's a good stop to, uh, put a fork in this one it was uh we covered a lot of ground a lot of offensive ground for sure we'll give the defense uh some love or lack thereof actually there's not there's not a lot of hate to go around to the defense at all like like a lot of folks have commented on over the last almost hour and a half you know 13 points only letting up 13 points gonna win you a lot of nfl games so i'm sure we'll revisit that part of the conversation over the next few days but Next time you will hear from us in terms of live streaming will be Christmas Eve. Come hang with us before Christmas Day and whatnot. Happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate. But it's a one o'clock kickoff against the Falcons. Sarah and I will be, of course, we'll be off uh, this this tomorrow on Sunday. We'll be watching football. And then the Monday morning vault, just hint, hint, will be Well, who knows? We had plans to go with Roquan Smith and some of the news that came out at the end of last week. But Sarah, something tells me it's going to be different than that. We will see. We'll respect the news cycle based on how things shake out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can. I'm I mean, yeah, Roquan, as we talked about, it sounds like the Ravens are trying to sign him right now. Uh, And so we will definitely discuss that. Uh, But there are definitely other things to address. (laughs) <laughs> come Monday. Q. Well, only Q, you are the man. Thanks so much for being with us for. I was just going to, I was just going to say thank you guys for allowing me to come on your space. And at the same time, I also want to say again, like subscribe and like, I mean, you, you, these, these two guys, they, they do an amazing job of, of just bringing the content and it's fun to uh to sit and listen and and I know when I'm training my clients and I have you guys on in on uh on the big screen in the background they all of a sudden jump in oh what are you thinking so it, it sparks a lot of good conversation a lot of good back and forth which that just again confirms that you guys are are doing just such a wonderful job and uh yeah Bobby you ain't on Twitter bro but I'm telling you right now those people are weird you're not <laughs> <open anything. laughs> nothing 
Hey, Q, you consider getting on that cleanse vibe with me because it's been clean living. Uh, let me tell you that. <laughs> I might I might need a colonic from Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly. Oh, man. Sarah, enjoy yourself tomorrow. I'm sure we'll be texting and stuff. There's going to be a lot going on over the next few days. We weren't able to get to a lot of uh, uh, questions and ev even several super chats. We weren't able to get to it. We just got to hit, uh, hit pause here. We've been going for an hour and a half. Email us if we didn't get to you, Baltimore Ravens Vault at gmail.com, Baltimore Ravens Vault at gmail.com, and we will try our best to address whatever you wanted to bring up that we didn't have a chance to at some point in the next week, week or so. So for Q, for Sarah, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this post game live stream here on the vault after the Ravens drop a tough one in Cleveland, 13 to three. They're now nine and five. And like I said earlier on in the stream, for the first time this season, they don't at the very least have a share of the lead in the AFC North. Cincinnati Bengals can take a nice step forward with a win over Tampa coming up tomorrow. We'll be all eyes and ears. So talk to you guys. Thanks so much for being with us.